Welcome to Divine Truth Podcast. Today is Saturday, September 11th, 2021. I am your host, James Huffman. Today we have a very special guest in our studios, pastor teacher of Emmanuel Baptist Church, Pastor Michael Huffman. Uh, We are so glad you're here today and we hope you enjoy today's episode. Um, And as I did say, it is September 11th. the 20th anniversary of the terrorist attack in New York City on the World Trade Center. And and that was a terrible day in American history. And we do want to take a moment to speak about that. Um, And with that, Pastor Michael, I'm going to turn it over to you, actually, um, because I am a man of youth. I was actually only one years old when that happened, so you certainly remember more. I do want to ask you a few questions about that day, such as where were you, What was the thought processes and how do you feel? um, How did you feel on that day? Of course, we're in Virginia, so we're not too far away, but um, it was a global event. It was world known. So I just want to turn over to you and any thoughts that you maybe had on that infamous day in world history. Yeah, James, thank you uh, for hosting this. Thank you for having me on today. Normally, I'm behind the pulpit preaching, uh, so it's a little different uh, for me being in studio sitting down having a discussion with you, but I appreciate the opportunity uh, to do this. Yeah, I remember uh, that day very well, um, September the 11th, 2001. Um, I was actually riding down a country road in a, in a Jeep Wrangler. <laughs> um, and uh, it, was, it was a day much like today. It was sunny and it wasn't, uh, it was warm enough where you could have the top off of your Jeep, but not, right. you know, but not too hot. It was a very right. pleasant day. And I was listening to the radio, and I remember hearing on the radio the, of, of the terrorist attacks that had taken place, and uh, mm-hmm. just James, I, I, it was it was it was it was numbing. It was it was unbelievable uh, what had actually taken place, the atrocities that had happened. Uh, it was absolutely incredible, and of course, then probably uh, me, probably like most of of America, most of the world. Um, spent the next two weeks, really next week definitely glued to the television right. as you as they unfolded everything that had, that had taken place. And I still get goosebumps um, remembering and watching uh, President Bush right. uh, at the time um, standing on that pile of rubble mm. um, saying that we hear you and mm-hmm. that the people that did this, they will pay. Right. And so it was a it, it, it was a horrific day, a horrific event, and and uh, we we certainly want to remember those who uh, lost their lives that day. Uh, I had the opportunity this morning uh, to go to a, a memorial um, for 9/11 uh, at the Louisa County Sheriff's Department. They have it every year, um, and I was able to go this morning, and it was very very well done. Um, the men and women at Louisa County Sheriff's Department, um, uh, Sheriff Donnie Lowe, mm-hmm. uh, Chief uh, Chief Deputy Ronnie Roberts, 
uh, Jack Poindexter, um, all the Dan Beatty, uh, Bateman, I'm sorry, all the, the folks there are just doing a tremendous job there at the county. Um, and of course, I have a son, you have a brother right. that, that works there, and uh, you have another brother that's training to be the state police. And so we, uh, those, those were also the people that rushed into the Twin right. Towers. Right. And I heard some stories today during the uh, during the ceremony that I didn't know that I didn't know happened when we first got to the ceremony. It was almost James reliving it all over again. Uh, they were playing over the over the loud system. They were playing uh, the actual uh, audio recording. I'm assuming from the black box uh-huh. from the captain of the one of the airliners that had been hijacked mm-hmm. as it was going into the World Trade Centers at one of the one of the towers. Of the World Trade Centers, and then they, and then they played actual recordings uh, of people calling home mm-hmm. uh, on who were on the flight, uh, who were uh, calling home to tell their loved ones, you know, I'm on this flight. It's been hijacked. Uh, tell my children I love them, and uh, and then the phone go dead. Wow. Uh, and the recording of the office of the uh, captain that was on the. Uh, that was on one of the hijacked airplanes as he's calling into um, the tower, if you will, mm-hmm. uh, just to hear that radio, James, on that recording, just to hear that radio go dead. I had never heard that before wow. this morning. And just to hear that, uh, it was absolutely incredible. It brings tears to your eyes mm-hmm. and shit, uh, goosebumps up and down your spine. Right. And it's just absolutely uh, incredible. Yeah. They actually they had several people there this morning that gave speeches, that gave talks, and one of the one of the persons that spoke was uh, Chief Deputy Ronnie Roberts, mm-hmm. uh, good friend, good man, um, uh, best as they come right. uh, in his field, and as a man, best as best they come. And um, he actually had the opportunity to meet uh, one of the high-ranking officers that um, went to the site in Pennsylvania. Wow. Uh, of course, as you yeah. fully remember, one of the planes, the passengers uh, overtook the cockpit and caused the plane to go down in Pennsylvania. Right. Uh, and it was on track to go to Washington. Right. Um, so he actually responded to the call of an air of an aircraft crash, and of course, he just assumed that it was small plane, right. and uh, he told Chief Roberts. He says, "When I got there, the the debris and the mess was after the crash site was absolutely extraordinary." But another piece of information that he shared that I did not know until today is five miles from that crash site, they found a Virginia state driver's license. Mm. That driver's license belonged to one of the terrorists. Wow. So one of the terrorists that took down that plane resided in the state of Virginia. Now that wow. brings it. That brings I it mean, home. yeah, we know that this happened, you know, in, in, you know, close to Virginia where the takeoff was at least. Right. And where the, the main, one of the, atro- two of the three atrocities happened. Right. But um, to, to, just to know that one of those terrorists actually resided in the state of Virginia. Don't know where, right. probably Northern Virginia, but don't know. But just to know that they resided in the state of Virginia was absolutely extraordinary. So, uh, and the, and America doesn't need to forget uh, what right. took place that day. Uh, we don't use that as an opportunity to hate 
Uh, God's people uh, don't hate. We, so we don't use it as an opportunity to hate. We use it as an opportunity for evangelism. Right. Uh, what, that, what, the, what the militant people of that religion uh, did uh, was an atrocity, without a doubt. Right. Uh, but we don't hate them. Right. Uh, we pray for them, and, we, and they need to come to Christ. Yeah. They need to uh, relinquish the false, do, false doctrine of Islam. Mm-hmm. And they need to come to Jesus Christ, and so that is should be every Christian's prayer. But it was it was an amazing ceremony. Uh, they played uh, the you'd have enjoyed this. Had a man playing bagpipes and, <laughs> and uh, played uh, Amazing Grace on the bagpipes. Wow. Had a presentation awesome. of the colors, and mm. it was just uh, had a had one of the the ladder the fire ladder trucks from Louisa County Fire Department, and one of the. Uh, Great big flags dangling down from the top of the ladder. Cool. It was just an absolutely extraordinary event this yeah. morning, and I was pleased to be a part of it. Yeah, that's awesome. I wish I would have, wish I would have known about that. That's really cool. Um, for those of you who don't know in our listening audience, um, the uh, sheriff's department in Louisa actually has a piece of the debris, one of the beams, one of the metal beams from the tower. Um, I don't know how we acquired that, but the, the city of Louisa bought one of those pieces and it's, it resides here in Louisa. And that is so cool. Um, and I'm, I'm glad you got a, to, uh, the opportunity to go there. As I said, I was young, but of course, um, as Pastor has pointed out, uh, this country does not need to forget about that. And um, just the way it shaped our country, uh, the infamous impact it had on our country. I do know that one of the planes, of course, two of them went into the World Trade Center towers. One hit the Pentagon, and the other, they believe, uh, was maybe headed for the White House um, that crashed, as you mentioned, crashed in the Pennsylvania countryside. And and I can only imagine um, the damage, uh, where our world, where our country would be um, if that would have happened, the impact that would have made. So that's really uh, just something, the providence of God, really, in that. Um, so that's that's great. I'm glad um, that you got to go to that, and we really do need to remember this day, as you said. I was listening um, uh, another podcast that I was listening to, um, where they were talking about Pastor John MacArthur and his reaction to um, uh, the World Trade Center accident there on 9/11, and you know. Uh, that Sunday morning, he didn't even mention it, but that Sunday evening was when he actually mentioned it. And they said the whole the whole place was packed; they couldn't even fit it into their auditorium. And uh, you know, he just gave the gospel, and he just um, spoke the truth uh, as they needed. Uh, what the world needed at that time is the same thing the world needed um, now. World needs now; it doesn't change. They need the gospel truth, and what a uh, what a an amazing way to present the gospel. Um, and, and you know, you, if you, if you, I don't know if you've heard that sermon, but basically all that he said was, you know, death is an imminent thing. People dying, it's nothing new about people dying. And for, and for anyone listening to that, that might sound harsh. Um, but really it's exactly what people need to hear. Uh, death is an imminent thing. Death is going to happen. And are you prepared uh, to die? And that's when you can, um, go in with the gospel. So that's a good word, yeah. and I'm glad to hear that. Well, let me just add this, Jim. We also had a, a gentleman there, and I, his name escapes me, but he was the, <coughs> pardon me, he was one of the training 
uh, officers in Arlington oh, wow. on, on 9-11. And he responded uh, to the Pentagon when it was mm. hit. Mm. And he said, as we walked into the Pentagon, you know, we would go check off, you know, check room by room, office by office, and, and check to see what was going on. He says, James, there were people sitting at their desk mm. who had been overtaken by the sheer heat wow. of the crash of the plane. Uh, they were sitting upright like they had been, like they were still working. Wow. There was death for them was. Wow. instantaneous it seems like so it was it was it was quite an event it was quite an event. that's all that's crazy that's a that's a crazy thing to hear but uh, uh we did want to set aside the first portion of our podcast to this infinite infamous day in world history and especially in american history a day that we certainly should never forget and uh, will never forget uh, but as pastor said we just need to keep in mind the gospel of jesus christ and, and use these opportunities as a means by which to present said gospel and to um, bring others to Christ. On our second half of our podcast, we do want uh, to bring up some questions. Um, as I said earlier, uh, Pastor Michael is the pastor teacher of um, uh, Emmanuel Baptist Church here in Manuel, Virginia. I am the youth pastor here. And uh, Wednesday evening, in our Wednesday evening service, we asked our uh, listening audience if they had any questions. So we do have a couple questions um, from actually our church family here in Mineral at Emmanuel. And we just want to endeavor to, God willing, answer these questions. Um, so we do have an interesting question. Actually, it's a, from a young lady in our um, church, and it's a very, very thoughtful, very, very good question, and it has to do with the hypostatic union, actually, if you can believe that. So, I'm going to uh, uh, read the question, and then we're both going to make some remarks, um, but I'm going to turn over firstly to you, Pastor. So, the question goes like this, how can Jesus be God and man at the same time? How can he be all-knowing as God, but in human form, not all-knowing? Uh, like you said he told his disciples that he didn't know when he was coming back how would you explain this in the best way so uh hypostatic union yeah. truly god truly man uh it's yeah. a big question a confusing question to many of us Me uh, too. yeah how can how can jesus christ be god and truly god truly man as we like to say in theological terms, at the same time. So, Pastor, if you would endeavor to answer that question. Yeah, that's uh, James, that question is probably one of the, I would say, top five questions I've answered in 30 years of ministry. Wow. Um, and it's probably also one of the, one of the top three difficult questions mm -hmm. uh, to answer. Uh, this, an this question was actually sparked by a young lady that goes to the academy, the Christian school right. that we have here. Right. Um, she actually uh, came up to me during one of the um, between classes and, and asked me uh, that question. And, of course, as things usually go in school, we get interrupted, and I didn't really get to fully um, right. address the question. Um, if I'm interpreting her question correctly, well, she started the question to me the other day as, okay, Jesus, when he was on earth, when his disciples asked him about the coming of the Lord, when he was on earth, his response was basically, and I'm going to put it in our vernacular, hey guys, I have no idea when I'm coming back. Right. Uh, the only one that knows that is the Father. I, I have no idea. Don't ask me. Don't look at me. I have no idea. Right. And how many times that has been used by the skeptic, mm -hmm. uh, by the agnostic, by the atheist, 
uh, by the Jehovah's Witness people, uh, the people that want to deny the deity of Christ. How many times has that been used over the years to say, see, Jesus can't be God because only God is omniscient. And Jesus isn't Jesus here admitted that his he was not omniscient because he said, himself said I don't know when I'm coming back right. and so it's a she asked a very very good question and it's a, it's a question that shows a lot of thought right. and this is one of the ways that I answer that question is you never really understand it because in our finite minds we can never really understand the the Godhead of course we have not the ability to really James understand the triune God what do I mean by the triune God? For those, for people listening outside of our church, now if you go to Emmanuel Baptist Church, you know. But right. for those who are listening outside of the church that may not understand what we mean by the Godhead, basically what we're meaning in the probably the best definition of Trinity, the Trinity uh, that I've ever come up with, that I've ever used, is is this. And this is how I define the Trinity, that in the one being that is God, right. there exist three separate co-eternal, co-equal, but distinct persons, right. the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then I'm normally going to explain it like this. The Father is not the Son. The Son is not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not the Father. And then I'll further explain it this way. The Father is God. The Son is God. The Holy Spirit is God. Right. Uh, there is a heresy out there called modalism mm-hmm. um, or... Uh, Whereas, um, or some people call it um, open, uh, not open theism, oneness, oneness theology, right. where basically uh, it, it teaches that God, there's one being that is God. Basically, it's a denial of the Trinity. Right. Uh, men like T.D. Jakes mm-hmm. uh, deny the, the tenant Trinity. Uh, contemporary Christian artists, Phillips, Craig, and Dean, for example, mm-hmm. they are oneness Pentecostal pastors. Right. Um, Basically, what it does is it says there is a God, but that God manifests himself as the Son. That God manifests mm-hmm. himself as the Father. That God manifests himself as the Holy Spirit. Right. So, the Bible doesn't teach that. Because mm-hmm. in the baptism of Jesus Christ, you see all three persons of the Trinity present. You see God the Son being baptized. You hear God the Father speaking from heaven. And then you see, according to Scripture, you see God the Holy Spirit descending on Jesus like a dove, in the form of a dove. And so what you have there in the baptism of Christ is you have all three persons of the Godhead present at that moment. Mm -hmm. Um, And basically, I answered the question is this. You talked about the hypostatic union. Uh, And we talk about the fact, uh, Philippians 2, um, we talk about the fact that Jesus Christ when he was in his human flesh, was fully God, or truly God, Mm -hmm. and truly man. And in his humanity, he was not omniscient. In his humanity, he was not omnipresent. In his divinity, yes, he was. And so what you have to do is you have to separate when Jesus is talking... When he says things like that, we need to always keep in mind that in in his incarnation, he is... Truly God, he is truly man. And as truly man, he has all the limitations of man. He was weary. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, he he was thirsty. He felt pain. Um, He was sad. 
Right. He felt all the human emotions and all the human limit, all the limitations that came along with humanity. And that's an important distinction that needs to be made. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't make that distinction, then you run into all kinds of mischief. Right. You come up with all types of wrong theology. So to answer her question, I would say that when Jesus Christ spoke and said, I don't know when I'm coming back, he was speaking as truly man. Right. Uh, and because he was truly man, he had all the limitations of humanness. Right. Yeah, that's a good answer. And that's a good word. Um, it all go back. It all goes back to I think, um, as you alluded to, kind of the limitations of our uh, of our human mind. And you know, we here at Emmanuel Baptist Church, we do stress um, intellectual thought, um, deep thinking as far as theology goes. We're uh, we're not uh, the people that say you know the Bible says it. I believe uh, I believe it. Therefore, it's true. We're we're not those kind. We we we. We do take, we are presuppositionalists, we do take the Bible as the literal word of God and whatever it says we do believe as true, but at the same time, we do believe in deep thought. We do believe in searching out the scriptures and if there seems to be a contradiction, of course we know there's not, uh, we use proper hermeneutics. This portion of scripture may seem a little fuzzy so we uh, clear it up with another portion of scripture uh, so I, and I say that to say the fact that we do believe here in Emmanuel in deep thought as far as um, our theology and what we believe but we do at the same time do need to understand that no matter how learned you may be uh, there are certain things because God is infinite and we are finite that we may not be able to completely comprehend um, and the hypostatic union certainly is one. And I remember kind of learning when I first started kind of learning um, of that point of theology and really just being utterly confused. And sometimes you can even be, if you hear people who really understand it and you don't understand it very well, if you don't understand it very well, sometimes you can even be offended because you're like, you're there, they seem to be degrading Jesus in a certain, uh, at certain points, but you do need to understand, uh, that point of doctrine that you, as you said, you can't understand it completely, but you can't separate them. He was truly God, truly man. And if you, if you would just point out the fact you, for our listening audience, you know, they hear us saying, truly God, truly man. We heard you kind of correct yourself when you started saying fully God, fully man, because fully God, fully man is, that's what you hear all your life. That's what you hear all the time. Why do we prefer to say truly God, truly man, as opposed to fully God, fully man? Well, for me, when somebody says, and I, and I have to correct myself a lot because I was actually raised being, you know, in church, hearing fully God, fully man. Right. So I do have to correct myself because I do think it is an important theological distinction. And for me, uh, the difference would be if I say that Jesus Christ is fully God, then I'm saying that there could be a portion of time when he's not fully God. Right. Uh, I'm talking, I could be talking about quality or quantity right. of deity uh, or humanity. Right. Whereas, okay, well, he was. He was fully God here, but he wasn't fully God there. For me, it could give you the implication of a fluctuation, if you will, of divinity and humanity. Whereas if you come along and say, okay, he was truly God and truly man, then you've you've erased the possibilities of a fluctuation uh, of capacity. And so he wasn't... 
He wasn't fully God as if he was full of God today, but it may not be tomorrow. No, he was truly God, truly man all the time. Right, absolutely. That's good. And also at the same time, uh, fully God, fully man. If you say that Jesus Christ was fully God, well, that leaves no room for his humanity. But if you say he was fully man, that leaves no room for his deity. So we say in the Latin, vera homo vera deus, we say truly God, truly man. And, and that really so is... James bringing out the old... <laughs> yeah, well, I... Uh, I I freshly watched Sproul. Well, that's you open the, up a can of RC Sproul. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's the only that's the only reason why I can uh, remember the Latin this morning. Um, typically, it's a little fuzzy, but that's funny. I mean, because even if you watch, uh, I don't know how many of our listening audience have, but there's a and there's a YouTube video, of course, um, of a Ligonier conference and. Uh, there's this big panel of people, and John MacArthur and R.C. Sproul are in um, are in the same question, are in the same panel. And I don't really remember all the details of the question, but it had to do with the hypostatic union. And John MacArthur and R.C. Sproul were kind of having a little banter, and uh, John MacArthur said, fully God, fully man. Of course, that's what we always hear. And then <laughs> R.C. Sproul, in his uh, very charming way, corrected him and said, well, I prefer truly God, truly man, for the reasons that we gave. And uh, and, then, and then John MacArthur just said, yeah, that's what I meant. That's what I meant. <laughs> and then, of course, the infamous line, why is it, Johnny Mac, that I'm always having to tell you what you meant? And uh, so that's that's funny. And you can just see the kind of the... Uh, love that they had for each other but yeah that's a great question um and we appreciate that question and what a great answer um he gave we also do have another question from yet another member of our church um this morning uh that she put in on wednesday so we do want to ask that one it's on uh john eight forty four. where hey, james before we go to that i hate to cut you off oh, okay yeah before, before we go to that <laughs> I uh, I was able to I was able to key something up here. Okay. And just for the sheer pleasure, man, it's about three minutes long. But just for the sheer, I don't know what all is going to be on here. So just for the sheer enjoyment of our listeners. Okay. Let's uh, let's see if we can uh, let's see if we can uh, bring this up here. Okay. My favorite nickname for John when I first met him was Boris. And it was back at the time when Boris Yeltsin got up on a tank. Remember that, John? Oh, yeah, yeah. He goes, uh, <laughs> that's what I, the way I looked at John. Every time there was a battle that needed to be fought, John was out front. He was the one you wanted in your foxhole with you because uh, he was so valiant uh, for the truth and for the kingdom of God. Now, I bring that, I, I bring that video up, and, and I'm not trying to sidetrack, but I bring that video up because it's important that we remember um, that... MacArthur and Sproul were very good friends, but they did not agree on everything theologically. No. Uh, R.C. Sproul believed in infant baptism. Right. And, of course, MacArthur, uh, being a Baptist, did not. Right. Um, so, uh, but, they, but they remained friends. <laughs> I just wanted to bring that up to, to point that out. So um, I'm trying to, uh, trying to uh, bring this up here. If I can get rid of Todd Friel here for a second. <laughs> he, his, his self is always... Um, coming up somewhere. We, we can't separate that, but we must distinguish. Yeah, here it is. This is funny. Well, thank you. And this will be good, and I hope, listener, say, for the question, you, I'm hoping you're listening to this. That says yeah. Jesus is truly God and truly I hope everybody man. can hear this. Here it is. Don't you think also it's also trying to say that 
He was not a human shell with only a divine mind. He had a human mind. He had a human mind. Right. With the limitations of human right. thinking. Right. The, touching his human nature, he was not omniscient. Touching his divine nature, he was absolutely omniscient. But we we can't separate those, but we must distinguish them or all kinds of mischief but takes fully place. Fully God, fully man, with all the reasonableness of man. Well, I prefer truly God and truly man because it can be confused and when you say that Jesus was fully God and fully man, if you mean by that, that that one person was absolutely, totally God and that's all, then you'd be denying his humanity. Or if you say he was fully man, then there's no room for his deity. That's why we like to say vera homo, vera deus, truly God, truly man. You were with that's me what I meant. That, that's what I meant. I knew that's what you meant. <laughs> why, to, why John, Johnny Mac, do you always make me have to define what you meant? <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. So the, the, those two men were, were, were great friends, but... but that was just a little humor that they had going on together. Yeah, absolutely. And that, and what a great answer to the question. So, listener, I hope you were listening to that from both our pastor and uh, two great men of God, uh, R.C. Sproul and John MacArthur, and a little humor there. Okay, now on to our next question. Uh, this comes from, uh, as I said, another member of our church from John eight forty four, where Jesus says, You're of your father, the devil. Okay, so let me read the question on that particular passage that she's asking today. Uh, Jesus says in John 8 that these religious leaders who want to kill him are the sons of the devil. If the fall had not occurred, would these people and the others who rejected Christ never exist? That is, did God lose the people who are not elect and Satan gain them? Or are they... Um, here on earth only because of the fall. So an interesting question there, and I'm, I'll, I'll, I honestly must admit I've never really heard the question quite put that way. So what would you say to that, Pastor? Uh, and I can uh, show you the question more if you want to answer. What, what would you say to that particular question there? Well, what I would say, James, first of all, is when you deal with the divine decree of God. Now, I'm going to answer this the best way that I can. Right. Uh, and since this person does go to our church, uh, they can, uh, whoever sent this question in, certainly can grab us privately and we can discuss right. it here. But right. I'm just going to answer it as I understand the question right. uh, at, at the best way that I can. Um, basically, what I would say is when you're dealing with the, the divine decree, of course, we believe uh, here and that we, we believe that very clearly that the Bible teaches that God directs. Right. Everything that takes place. Right. We believe and teach that God is absolutely sovereign in all things. There is nothing of which God does not have absolute omnipotent control. Right. Um, you know, the Bible says, and I could, and I could uh, go on with, with verses. For example, Psalm 135, 6 says, He does whatever He pleases in heaven and on earth and in the, in the seas and all deep places. 
Uh, I could go to Job 42.2 where Job says that uh, I know that you can do all things and that no plan of yours can be thwarted. Uh, I could go to Isaiah 46.10 and I could say that he does whatever he wants to do in the armies of heaven and nobody can stay his hand or ask him, why are you doing this? Right. I could go to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11. It says that he, that he does all things after the, the determinate counsel of his own will. Right. And that's just a few. Right. Uh, we could go to Psalm 115, verse 3. We, we could go to a plethora of verses that absolutely, absolutely teach that God has a divine decree, right? Uh, and that and that all and that everybody's mouth should be stopped when they try to retard or take away, if you will, that divine decree from God. Right. Uh, and that being the case, the best way that I would answer that question is, uh, if I'm understanding it correctly, uh, is that the person that wrote the question asked, "Okay, if the fall had never happened." would these people cease to exist? Right. And the best way I would answer that question is this, impossible. Right. Impossible. Right. Uh, what do you mean by that? Well, what I mean by that is this, is that there was never a time in eternity right. where the fall was not decreed. Right. There was never a time in eternity where the existence of God's people and the existence of the reprobate did not exist. Right. Uh, so, so to say, uh, so to ask, okay, if the fall had never happened, would these people cease to exist? Did God lose them and they become the children of Satan? Right. If I'm understanding this question correctly, and if I'm not, forgive me, this person will have to grab me at church and, and we'll discuss it further. Be glad to. I want my understanding of the question to be clear as well. I'm just, again, I'm just answering it as cl- with the clarity that I have right now. Um, right. When you ask that question, I answer it with one with one answer: impossible. Right. Um, that's like saying, "Well, James, I wonder what would have happened in your life had you never gotten saved." Now, sometimes that's 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 fun to interesting think of. for us to right. think about. Right. But it's the same answer, isn't it? Yeah. It's impossible. impossible. Yeah. Because there was never a time where the divine decree didn't exist. Right. Even before God, even before God said, "Let there be light," mm-hmm. and this is going back to the second question, the first question rather of the the finite minds that we have. Right. Uh, we, we have difficulty really understanding uh, the existence of God, the eternality of God, right. the fact that God always was, that He is an eternal being. Mm-hmm. He is the I am, which means uh, if you really study that He is the ego a me in the Greek. So you've got Latin, I can quote Greek. He is the <laughs> ego a me. And basically what that means is that He is self-sufficient right you know and i love that it, all the a, a, i am statements the ego a me statements in the in the new testament uh, i am the bread of life jesus saying i am the self-sufficient bread of life i am the self-sufficient resurrection i am the self-sufficient way truth and the life right i am the self-sufficient uh sheep oh the shepherd rather right um so and so being that he is totally self-sufficient he is the ego a me that's hard for us to understand, but there was never a time in history, I'll use that, in eternity. Right. I'll go beyond history. There was never a time in eternity where the divine decree did not exist. And so the fall was always decreed by God. It wasn't, oops, 
Right. I've told the congregation here in Emmanuel a thousand times. There's one <laughs> word that never comes to the throne from the throne of God. And what is that? That's oops. That's yeah. oops. <laughs> and so the fall wasn't a oops. I didn't see that coming. It right. was a divine decree. Right. As people say, well, you're making God responsible for sin. You may, well, well, let me ask you a question. If he, if 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 God's not, if God is not in control, then who is? Right. Now that doesn't mean when we say that God is in control of it, that doesn't mean that we approve that He approves of it. Right. That doesn't mean that He gives it a a a, a stroke of. Uh, uh, way to go! You know, he right. didn't pat anybody on the back. He he he's angry with the wicked and he hates sin. And that's not what we're saying. But what we're saying is is that God uses existent evil right. and God determined evil for His own glory. Right? Um, because I've told people this as well. What is the best way? What is the best way that you and I can understand mm-hmm. and see love? Right. Sin is to see sin. Right. The best way for you and I to see Righteousness is to see evil. Evil, yeah, right. Okay, and I even tell people that try to use evil as a as a as a tool to disprove the existence of God. I'll turn around on them and say, "Listen, the only way that you know mm-hmm. the difference between good and evil is that there is a divine standard of good, and that is God. Right. So the fact that there is evil that doesn't disprove God. Right. That proves God. Right. Because the only way we can tell the difference between good and evil is that there is a good standard. There is a righteous standard, and that standard is is God." And so if I'm understanding the question correctly, mm-hmm. then I would basically answer it is that's impossible. There was never a time when the divine where the fall was not the divine decree of God. Mm-hmm. There was never a time where God did not know his people and God did not know the reprobate. Right, absolutely. And that's that's a great question that's a great answer to that question and obviously honestly if we're going to prod that even more if the fall never happened really election would not even have to happen because uh, election was um, of course before the foundation of the world and all this is in the mind of God and we have to be careful not to get in human terms but really there would be no necessity of an election if none of us were needed of salvation we would have lost fellowship with God right I mean we would always be in fellowship of God everyone would be elect basic basically on that so that's a great that's a great answer to the question it's a great uh, question it is a great, it's a great question. question it's a great question it's a very thoughtful question um but yeah we just always have to keep in mind the the mind of god and his eternal decrees and also i love what you were saying about you know the existence of evil and how um how god even used that in his um all-wise mind to bring about the salvation of his people in such a way uh, where he had nothing to do with evil, but he also decreed it, and that's and that's another area in which we cannot comprehend the mind of God. Yeah, and, you know, you talk when you, when this is an area that you could go into all different right. rabbit trails, all different uh, areas of thought. Um, I mentioned a word a few moments ago, kind of incorrectly in the wrong context. I said Molinism, and I meant to say uh, oneness theology. Right. And I corrected myself, but I did mention. Molinism or medium or middle middle knowledge, right? Uh, and basically, uh, William Lane Craig, he, uh, the men like him, uh, they teach what's known as middle knowledge. Mm-hmm. And basically, middle knowledge basically says this: is that God is, if you can imagine uh, Yahweh or you know our God being approached this way, right? Uh, basically, middle knowledge basically speaks that says, okay, God is, God is approached with different contingencies 
and he chooses right. of the contingencies that's given to him which one mm-hmm. is going to be. Right. And then he becomes all-powerful over that contingency. Well, that's heresy. Right. That's Absolutely. heresy. Absolutely. I mean, first and foremost, it's heresy because, okay, who gave him the contingencies? Right. Because the person who gave him the contingencies, that's the one who's really sovereign. Mm-hmm. It doesn't. That yeah, takes away the sovereignty. Yeah, that's a good. Point. You know, they use middle knowledge to try to def, try to defend God's righteousness and right. holiness that that He didn't have anything to do with evil. And I get that, but don't don't try to defend that with heresy right. because you're saying God's approach was these contingencies three, four, five, six, whatever. But God's approach with all these contingencies. Okay, well, you've just stripped Him of His sovereignty mm-hmm. because who gave Him the contingencies? Right. Because that's the one that's sovereign. Right. That's the one that's really in control. Mm-hmm. Because if you give God these contingencies, then you say, okay, God, you can go here, <laughs> but you can go no farther. Right. And that's that's that's, that's just heresy. That's, yeah, that's that blasphemy. Wow. Great question and great answer. Uh, very, uh, very thoughtful question. We appreciate those um, so much. Now, we're, uh, we're kind of running along, so we have to uh, kind of uh, bring this uh, podcast along here. So we do want to finish up our remaining time with talking about the gospel. And of course, the gospel is the diamond of the Christian life. It's the center. It's, it's, it's from where um, everything evolves around the gospel. And we never want to lose sight of the gospel. Uh, I, I am, I'm, I'm shocked. I am shocked when you were, when you were to ask Christians nowadays, what is the gospel? Really, of the insufficiency of the answer. They would not be able to sketch out the gospel in, in a biblical sense, in a full orb sense. And this is not speaking of you have to be some grand ivory tower theologian, but you, you really do need to be able to present the gospel in a truthful biblical context, a full orbed gospel. Yeah. Um, and you really do need to be able to do that really at the drop of a hat. If, if someone were to ask you what's the gospel, you need to just be able to rattle it off. Every Christian should be able to. So we want to talk about the gospel, the genuineness of the gospel, and particularly in the context of straying away from the gospel and, and the sad story of uh, uh, Dr. Billy Graham, uh, the, the probably the world's greatest known evangelist or yeah. itinerant speaker. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we want to speak about... Uh, the genuineness of the gospel and where really sadly toward the end of his life dr billy graham kind of strayed away from that gospel yeah. and, and we want i want our listeners to understand that we are not bashing the deceased right that is that is not the the purpose of this um but it is to it is to let people know where the gospel has been hijacked and to let people know that even the most orthodox or seeming orthodox mm-hmm. person uh, you always, always, always have to listen to people preach, teach, read after them discerningly. Right. I tell the congregation here at Emmanuel, uh, check me out. Right. I wouldn't lead you astray on, for anything in the world, but I know I'm human. I know my human frailties. Mm-hmm. So check me out. I invite them to check me out. If you've got questions, right. I invite you to ask me right. your questions, and I'll answer them. If I'm wrong, mm-hmm. then I'm wrong. Well, that's what the... The Apostle Paul uh, yeah. commended the um, Bereans, Bereans for yeah. doing that. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, we always need to do that. And it, it, and it is so hard because when you talk about Dr. Graham, I mean, really, throughout his whole ministry, the, the great 
span of his ministry, he was orthodox. I mean, we would have theological disagreements with him sure. um, in some certain parts. But when you, if you were to hear a sermon, there's you can't really point out drastic heresies from the old days anyways. Um, and also, he's so well-known. His life, I mean, you have to respect his life. I mean, the man was w- worldwide known, uh, famous, you could even say, if that's an appropriate term. But really, his life, as far as human standards was kind of squeaky clean really no uh what's the word i'm looking for uh, no scandals yeah. no scandals i mean so there is great respect and so when you bring up him in the context of well toward the end of his life he really did err from the gospel uh, you know you you get great opposition for that but we do want to talk about the genuineness of the gospel particularly in that context and i know you have a clip that you want to play so let's go ahead and cue that up just so that we can um, kind of get a, an idea of where we're going here. This is Dr. Graham on the Hour of Power um, with, forgive me, what's the... Uh, uh, it was Robert Schuller. Robert Schuller, uh, that's right. Was the, was the show, um, and I'm not 100% sure of the year. I want to say it was maybe in 2010, 2011, but don't hold me to that. It may have been longer ago than that. Right. Um, it may have been actually in the early 2000s. But, but he is aged in the video. He, can... is, he is definitely aged in the video. Um, and, uh, of course, the, the uh, issues with uh, Robert Schuller uh, are well known right. amongst evangelicals. Right. Right. Uh, of course, the uh, Crystal Cathedral um, doesn't even exist anymore. <laughs> right. uh, they, have, uh, they are now owned by the Vatican. Mm. Um, so they have gone uh, out of business. They actually filed bankruptcy in 2013 or 14. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, he appeared on here, and Robert Schuller asked him a question, and he answered it. And I just, I just, I want everybody to uh, to hear what the Tell me, what do you think is the future of Christianity? I think everybody that, that loves Christ or knows Christ, whether they're conscious of it or not. They're members of the body of Christ. And that's what God is doing today. He's calling people for out of the, the world for his name. Whether they come from the Muslim world or the Buddhist world or the Christian world or the non-believing world, uh, they are members of the body of Christ because they've been called by God. They may not even know the name of Jesus, but uh, they know in their heart that they need something that they don't have. And they turn to the only light that they have. And I think that they are saved, that they're going to be with us in heaven. This is fantastic. I'm so thrilled to hear you say that. There is a wideness in God's mercy. There is. There definitely. So there is a wideness in God's mercy. Yeah, that's sad. Um, so they. So they... They don't even they don't even know who G, who the name what the name of Jesus is. They don't even know who the name of Jesus is. They could be from the Muslim world, the the Buddhist world, or the unbelieving world. The unbelieving world. Right. But even. because in their heart they know they need something, right. then they're saved and they'll be in heaven. Right. That's heresy. Absolutely. Now, I'm, and of course, we're not making a, a, an assessment on the heart of Dr. Graham. Right. And nobody here is doing that. We're just assessing what he said. Right. And what he said is that you can go to heaven by other means right. other than Jesus Christ. Right. And that's heresy. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. That's heretical. Absolutely. And that, and that really is a sad thing to hear, um, especially, I mean, you can't, make a, you can't make a pejorative statement on evangelicals as a whole, but really the, the acceptance of Dr. Graham as an orthodox um, theologian, as an orthodox um, evangelical, really with this thing even being surfaced, you don't, you don't even hear it. You don't even hear people bringing it up as a topic of conversation. Well, why did he say that? They just you know, accept them for being orthodox and something as that. And of course, as you preface this, we're not doing this to speak ill of the dead. We're doing this uh, to speak on the, uh, the purity of the gospel. So pastor, if, with that in mind, we heard a lot of heresy there, a lot of sad heresy. You don't even need to know the name of Jesus. You can be part of the unbelieving world. Uh, you can be Muslim, Buddhist, whatever. But if you have this little hinge of the heart, oh, well, I need something better, um, they're a Christian and they're going to be in heaven. And then there's a wideness in God's mercy. Really, there's not. There, the gospel is very narrow. Uh, even Christ said uh, the narrow way, and there there's a broad way, or we could say there's a wide way, but that leads to destruction. But there's a narrow way that leads to life eternal. Yes. So we want to keep that in mind. There is not a wideness in God's mercy in the sense that He's all inclusive; everything goes. Um, there's a narrow way in the sense that there's a particular gospel that we need to know. So with that in mind, Pastor, could you sketch out? In your mind, uh, what do you think biblically are essentials? We're obviously not saying that people need to be theologians to become Christians because the gospel is a simple message. It's a very simple message. It's simple for a child to understand, but yet complex for theologians to contemplate thousands and thousands of years. So we're not saying that. But what would you say if someone were to ask you, what's the gospel? What would you say are essentials that need to be mentioned um, for a person to genuinely be converted, what Number would you one, say? Repentance. Right. Um, that is one aspect of the biblical gospel. You know, Jesus said, except you repent. Right. You know, you, do you guys believe that the tower in Salome that fell and killed all those people, do you believe that that happened because they were more wicked than everybody else? I tell you that unless you repent, right. you're going to perish too. Right. And so one word that's missing from the gospel today is repentance. Right. Uh, one word that was missing, of course, from Billy Graham's video here is mm-hmm. repentance. Right. And repentance is, of course, a change of mind and heart. And it produces a change of action. Now, it, it's not perfection. Right. It doesn't mean that you're not going to struggle with your, with your sinful, sinfulness because the Apostle Paul in Romans 7, was verse, starting in verse number 14, I believe, is, was crystal clear. Right. That there is a perpetual struggle mm-hmm. with the new man versus the dead man right. uh, that he calls the body of sin, you know, the attached rotting corpse right. that, that's still on you, that it's whose decay still affects you. And so, repentance doesn't mean um, perfection. Right. But one of the things that's that's missing in so many presentations of the gospel today is the understanding that listen, if you are truly born again. There will be a desire in your heart right. given you by the Holy Spirit to obey right. the Word of God, right. to obey the commandments. Jesus said, if you love me, do what? 
keep my commandments. Right. And if you truly belong to him, there will be a desire in your heart to obey the commandments of God. It's crystal clear in scripture. Right. You know, it goes back to the Lordship Salvation controversy. Mm -hmm. Okay. Emmanuel Baptist Church, we are 115,000% 15, <laughs> Lordship Salvation here. Right. That, you know, and that, again, that doesn't teach as some people like Charles Ryrie and Zane Hodge is incorrectly, uh, those guys from Dallas Theological Seminary, mm -hmm. those guys that have incorrectly uh, said, that doesn't speak about perfection. Right. Because here's what Charles Ryrie writes in his book, So Great Salvation. Charles Ryrie writes in his book, So Great Salvation, that someone can come to Christ and have absolutely no change of life, mm. no hatred of sin, mm -hmm. and still be a Christian. Right. Zane Hodge, in his book, Absolutely Forgiven, I believe is what it's called. I'm testing my memory here. Absolutely Forgiven. Um, also, again, he's another Dallas guy. Um, he says similar things, mm -hmm. that someone can be a Christian and whose life has not changed. Right. There's another preacher um, that is a well-beloved uh, preacher by many, many, many evangelicals. Mm -hmm. uh, I will dispense with mentioning his name, uh, but he's well-beloved. He is quoted in his book, um, Eternal Security. Mm -hmm. uh, he, is, he is quoted in that book as saying that a person can perpetually their whole life live like an unbeliever and be a Christian. Wow. And, oh, actually he says this, a person can profess Christ, live like a non-believer their entire life, and should never doubt their salvation. Wow. Now, we both believe in the perseverance of the saints. Right. We both believe in what's also been classically called uh, eternal security. We both believe that the Bible teaches that. Right. But the Bible doesn't teach that with the absence of righteousness. Right. The Bible doesn't teach that you're secure in Christ just because you prayed a prayer or was baptized or joined a church. Mm -hmm. Profession without obedience is a false profession. Right. Christ without lordship mm -hmm. is not the Christ of the, God, of the Bible. Right. Never in the scriptures does it ever separate, in the context of salvation, does it ever separate lordship from savior. Mm -hmm. the, the twin titles, Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior. Right. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth Jesus as Lord, is what it literally says in the Greek in, in Romans chapter 10. If you'll confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord, right. then, then you will be saved. Right. Uh, and so two key things that are missing, non-negotiables, repentance and lordship. Absolutely. Yeah, that's 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 a good word, and um, that is so essential. That is really one of the missing uh, portions and missing components of the gospel. I would say, really, the really in the context that we live, we live in as as we've mentioned before in Virginia, kind of the buckle of the Bible Belt, and really, you just kind of hear this basic gospel presentation, kind of very vague, um, with absolutely no need for repentance, no need to uh, there, no need for there to be a change of life. Um, after conversion, of course, this is not perfection, it's direction. Uh, this is a perpetual state of being made like Christ. Uh, but it, it is essential. And I just, as far as the, the whole gospel, I really, um, whenever I'm asked 
something of that nature. I kind of like to uh, break it down like this. We have, and and you could really speak on all different points, but just kind of bullet point. You have God's law. You know, you have our law breaking. Therefore, you have our need, uh, God's provision mm-hmm. through Christ's person and work. And really, from that bullet point, you could really expand on the essentials of the gospel that there is God's law that He has made, that He is holy and righteous, and that He um, has set up a law, and we um, fell from that law. We we sinned, and then from that, all being born in Adam, we are all born sinners. And therefore, what does a good, holy God do to guilty sinners? He must judge and condemn them. And that produces our need, our law-breaking. And then God's provision. Christ coming down to this earth, taking on flesh, living the perfect life that we could not live in our place. Every time, uh, with every law we broke, he kept for us uh, the perfect life of Christ and then going to the cross. The active Uh, and passive obedience of Christ. Right, the active and passive obedience of Christ. He actively kept all points of the law. And on the cross, he passively took the punishment as a lawbreaker for us and satisfied God's wrath, propitiation. Uh, died, rose on the third day, completing uh, the plan of salvation. Um, And now whoever will call upon the name of the Lord can be saved. That's the gospel. And and that's really, it's a very particular message. It can't be vague. It's not uh, negotiable. Well, this part can be left out. This part cannot be. This part's kept. You know, it's really, really particular. Um, so we really do need to keep that in mind as far as in our conversations of the gospel and in our personal evangelism, that these things are essential. Yeah, John MacArthur wrote a book some years ago. It's called uh, Hard to Believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would commend it to all of our listeners to grab a copy. It's still in print. Um, uh, again, it's called Hard to Believe. It also has a workbook uh, that oh, goes wow. along with it. You have to buy, it's a separate purchase, but there is one available. And he talks about on page two of that, the false gospel of self-esteem. He says, the true gospel is a call to self-denial. Right. You know, Jesus said in Luke 9, if any, might, if any man will come after me, the first thing he must do is deny himself. Right. Take up his cross daily and follow me. Well, you and I both know that when he said take up your cross, there was only one thing that the people recognized. They right. were saying, death. Right. Okay, you need to you, you want to be my disciple. You need to be willing to die. That's what right. he was saying. I was, you you can't tiptoe around those words of Christ. And so the true gospel is a call. MacArthur says in his book on page two, the true gospel is a call of self denial. It is not a call for self fulfillment. Right. And the 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 one the book that probably is the opposite again is Robert Schuller. Uh, he wrote a book called the New uh, Self Esteem: The New Reformation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in that book, he attacked evangelicalism mm-hmm. by saying, it is precisely, quote, it is precisely at this point that classical theology has erred in his insistence that theology be God-centered and not man-centered. <laughs> and so according to Schuller, the first thing you need to do is kick God off the throne and put yourself on the throne. Right. And uh, he goes on to say that, uh, let me get the next quote here. Once a person believes, and of course, he, in his in his book, he downplays total depravity. Right. He downplays original sin, and then he says in that book, once a person believes he is an unworthy sinner, mm. it is doubtful if he can really honestly accept the saving grace God offers in Jesus 
Christ. Mm. And of course, that's MacArthur quoting Schuller's uh, book on page four of his book, page 98 in uh, Schuller's book. Uh, but that's, that's, that's the gospel, James, has been hijacked. Right. And it's evangelical's job to yeah, um, bring that gospel back. Absolutely, and that that is that is so true. That is so important, and and, and it's so sad to see. And because that is really the prevailing and the pervasive mindset of the day. This mindset of self-esteem, self-worth, uh, building up oneself to be basically your own god. And I and I've always said, kind of uh, to uh, much people's to use a old word chagrin that. Um, um, Self-esteem is another word for idolatry. Yes. Um, worshiping self. Worshiping self. Just like you said, you're placing God off the throne of your life and you're putting yourself there. And really, that is the prevailing and pervasive mindset of the day. And really, it's creeping into the church as yeah. far as the gospel goes and that the gospel somehow needs to be man-centered and not God-centered in theology. And really, the both the gospel and daily Christian living revolves around God. He is uh, the center of it. He's the controller of it. And that's that's a, such an important point. And I know you have another um, kind of touching on that topic. You have another clip that you want to play. This is from a pastor. I that's a, say that lucidly. Pastor Stephen Furtick of Elevation Church there in Charlotte, North Carolina. Um and this is really uh, kind of touching on what we are just saying about uh, self-esteem and self-worth and you being the center of everything. And we really want to bring this clip up because we feel like it's important for you to know. Uh, again, this is Stephen Furtick, pastor of uh, Elevation Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, I was just there <laughs> and I sent pastor a uh, uh, kind of a tongue-in-cheek message because I was close by. And I, I sent him a message, I always want to know when I'm close to a heretic, because this really is heresy that we're about to listen to. Again, Stephen Furtick, here. Let's hear that again. Wow. I am God Almighty. And James, that is that is that is what happens when man-centered theology gets into Christian yeah. evangelicalism. Yeah. I'm not saying that Stephen Furtick was ever evangelical or orthodox right. in theology, but that is the right. that that is the end result of Schuller's work. work. Right, and and I know from just. Uh, personal things that I've watched and seen that Stephen Furtick is a big fan and follower of T.D. Jakes. Yeah. And he gets that really, I'm sure he, uh, he gets that highly from T.D. Jakes, this fact that we are a little God, little yeah. God theology that T.D. Jakes so prevalently 
uh, teaches that we somehow are little gods, um, that we are little deities. And you heard it, plain and simple, multiple times from Furtick. He said that he was God Almighty. And as Pastor has said, once man-centered theology creeps into the church, as it so sadly has, that's what you get. People claiming to be deity, people claiming to be God. Uh, and this is really where we need to fight as genuine believers to reclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are so glad um, that you joined us this evening, uh, this morning rather, for our podcast, Divine Truth Podcast. Pastor Huffman, I want to thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, James. It's been a pleasure. And for uh, really speaking truth into these high matters. Please join us again. Um, Every week we upload new sermons um, every week to our podcast, so please do be sure to join us um, every week as we uh, break open God's truth uh, verse by verse uh, through the teaching, expositional teaching of Pastor Michael Huffman. Again, thank you so much for joining us. May God bless you and keep you uh, daily. Uh, Please do join us um, also. um, Look us up at EBC Mineral dot org ebc dot com rather uh, forgive me uh, ebcmineral.com where you can also look up our sermons uh, look up our leadership um, look up our doctrine please do be sure to look that up ebcmineral.com and again thank you so much for joining us this week on divine truth podcast god bless you